Welcome to uh, Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. Uh, and if this episode sounds a little different to you all, uh, due to the rise in Omicron, we are recording this from our own separate homes. So yes. this is an experiment in um, how how technically adept I can be. Yes, and... We didn't want to wait to record because Corinne edits all of these herself. And, you know, I'd like to actually give her the time to edit things. What? Yeah, you give me the time to edit things, but then I wait till the last minute anyway because that's how my brain works. <laughs> I mean, fair, fair. Uh, so, Corinne, what are you drinking today? Uh, I am drinking... Very fancy Kroger Private Selection Ethiopian Yirgacheffe, because that's what I have on hand today, um, with a splash of oat milk and also a little bit of brown sugar, because it makes me feel fancy. So, fun fact, I also have the Kroger Private Selection Ethiopian (laughs) Yirgacheffe. Bitches on a budget. With oat milk creamer. That's fantastic. We've been friends too long, Amanda. We have. I don't have brown sugar, though. That's that's a good idea. So I got really addicted to those stupid uh, shaken oat milk lattes at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. The brown sugar in them. And I was like, well, how can I make this for myself? And Pinterest was like, do all of these steps. And I said, Pinterest, I'm a lazy woman. <laughs> so I just dumped some brown sugar and oat milk into my coffee and said, hey, this tastes pretty darn good. Love it. So, uh, that's what I do. Very nice. I did make my coffee in the AeroPress this time. Oh, fancy. Uh, instead of my regular countertop coffee maker, which I use every morning because it has a timer function and I have a two-year-old. Yeah, I have one with a timer function now too um, because Hunter got concerned about the sheer number of times I've forgotten to turn off my old coffee maker because it didn't have an auto shut off function. Yeah, that's a problem. So for Christmas, he bought me a new coffee maker that has auto shut off and it also has, it's programmable. Mm -hmm. So I can prep my coffee the night before and then have coffee when I wake up after my shower. Yeah, that's what we do. Did you know that if you forget to put water in the coffee maker, all of the prep in the world doesn't help? It's true, and the heat pressurizes the ground some, so when you open it to put water in, um, sometimes the grounds explode at your face. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I I know. Gee, I wonder how you know that. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, Before we get to the tarot card uh, of this episode... I did want to thank you again for my belated Christmas present. Corinne got me the book Dark Folklore by Mark and Tracy Norman. 
I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but the book itself is stunning, you guys. There's this gorgeous gold foiling, and depending on when the light catches it, some eyes show up that aren't there from other angles. And a quick flip through. Uh, guys, we're going to get so many episode ideas out of this. Oh, that's, um, that's why I got so I got you the physical copy because I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And also you don't use Kindle like I do. And I got confused with Google Books as set up because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed some days. So I bought the Kindle edition for me and then sent the other edition to you. And I actually saw them uh, announcing the book on Twitter. Oh, nice. um, they are one of the accounts that I follow from our uh, Graveyard Coffee Talk Twitter account, which does exist, guys. It really does. It's just slow because I am bad at Twitter. Yes. Uh, also, just a heads up to anyone who is interested in our social media channels. You are more likely to see our posts the more you interact with them because the algorithm is hot garbage. Yep. So if you would like to see more posts from us, you know, give us a like, comment, uh, you know, you comment on. I'm sorry. I was going to say comment on a post if you have an episode topic that you're dying to hear us cover. Uh, the other thing to do is, especially with Instagram, you can turn on alerts so that you will always know when we have a fresh post for you because, um, spoiler alert, Amanda runs the Instagram account and she's much more on top of that than I am our Twitter account and has an excellent eye for memes. So, <laughs> just putting that that's, out there. That's true. That is true. All right. But I think that is all of the kind of housekeeping housekeeping thank you because i had completely forgotten that word for a second there uh, so what is our card poll for this episode oh oh so very exciting um i was gifted a new tarot deck for christmas Ooh. i was given and i'm showing amanda on the video camera and i'll try and send a picture so that we can post it to social media it is the jane austen tarot Oh my gosh, that box is gorgeous. It's stunning. So this is actually a gift from a friend of mine who is also a listener of ours. Uh, my friend Avery sent this over to me. Um, Avery is also the person who did that really funny uh, Girl Boss Satan fan art for us. Avery, you're my favorite person. So uh, yeah, I get this really cryptic text from Avery back beginning of December that was just, do you like Jane Austen? And I was like, yes, I, I love Jane Austen former you know english class nerd over here and that's all i got for a while and then right before christmas they messaged me and were like hey make sure you're checking your mail it turns out that it's cheaper for me to send you like first class postage than regular so it's getting there faster than i thought and i was like what okay <laughs> uh and so they sent me this beautiful tarot deck they said they saw it at like a tj maxx and were like hmm my friend Rin needs this. And they were correct. And then they heard one of our more recent episodes where I was saying Hunter doesn't want me to buy any more uh, tarot decks. And then <laughs> we're like, I'm really sorry if I caused any marital strife. You didn't buy it. I didn't. So Hunter's No. Yeah, no promises were broken. No, none. None whatsoever. 
But Hooray anyway, for loopholes. Uh, so this deck is pretty cool. It's actually a standard playing card deck, but each card has been assigned a different meaning. Some of them are traditional tarot cards. Some of them are not. And in fact, today we pulled the Ace of Hearts, which check out this really beautiful Regency style artwork. Oh, so pretty. They're so delicate. They're so gorgeous. Like I, I don't feel worthy to own this deck. It's just so delicate and, and beautiful. But the uh, Ace of Hearts is a card for creativity. Ooh. Which I think is really suiting on a day where we are flying by the seat of our pants. We are learning new technology and we are having to get creative to keep this podcast going in the face of Omicron and the fact that you have a two-year-old who cannot yet be vaccinated. Yes. And, you know, honestly, guys, even if Omicron wasn't a concern at the moment, we just had a mega ice storm. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> and the roads are... Um, Less not than stellar not right now. And my neighborhood never gets plowed, so. You would think uh, being between two major, major streets and being a major, major thoroughfare, our road would ever get plowed or treated, but uh, we're on our own. Yeah, I grew up in the Upper Highlands, and I know how that works, because technically my neighborhood's not part of Louisville, or the one I grew up in anyway. Yeah? Sixth class city, what up? <laughs> we have our own police officer. Officer. I think there's actually a couple of them now. Oh, they're moving up in the world. After after that year when our house got broken into by the meth head, and a yeah. lot of other houses in the neighborhood also got broken into by the same dude, Um, they they invested in a couple more cops for the neighborhood. Good times. All right. Uh, so, well, I'm very excited about that, that card. That's awesome. So, great. so our episode topic today is lunar myths. Um, you guys might remember from the mermaid episode how I was super excited and had already started my notes on this before officially making it an episode topic on our to-do list because mm -hmm. I just love this story. I love this story so much. You need to hear it. All right. Hurt me? I don't think it's going to hurt you. I actually don't have a horrific story. Cool. Yeah. All and right, actually, I think our next episode, I don't have. Uh, no, it has horrific moments. I lied. But this one's nice. Great. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as I was saying, a quick reminder that this topic came up when I found the legend of Lone Bird. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're starting today. And uh, I just love this story. So this is a legend from the uh, Micmac Nation, which is located in the Northeast, starting in Massachusetts and Maine and going as far north as Nova Scotia. Okay. Uh, Lone Bird was a gentle girl who lived with her mother and her father, who were both considered by their community to be kind and good people. Okay. And as is usual in pretty much any folklore story about a girl, Lone Bird was clever. She had a fantastic singing voice, and she was drop-dead gorgeous. Of course. You know, you got to be a triple threat. Just stunning. And so, of course, because of this beauty, 
lots of men wanted to marry her. Hmm. And uh, her parents were thrilled by that because, you know, what what busybody parents don't want their daughter to go off and marry well. But Lone, Lone Bird was not happy with the state of affair uh, affairs. Okay. And she declared repeatedly, I shall never marry. Good on you. Good on you, ma'am. And as is the case with so many women, when we make declarations that go against the grain, her parents patted her on the head like, okay, sure you won't. Whatever <laughs> you say, dear. Yep. And they waited for her to change her mind. And waited. And waited. Oh, dear. Um, so after a few years, she still hadn't changed her mind because it turns out women actually do know what they want. Uh, who knew? That sounds fake. <laughs> but Lone Bird's father couldn't handle that because, you know, obviously his biggest priority as a father had to make sure she would be some other man's responsibility before he died. Yeah. Which, you know, I do have to say, I, I get it. If you're not part of a matriarchal society, that is a concern. That is a valid concern mm-hmm. for a family to have. But my modern day sensibilities just make me want to punch someone. Yeah, yeah. About that. Uh, so Lone Bird's father invited all of the men in the village to compete in a race. Okay. The winner would get Lone Bird's hand in marriage. Okay. Because, you know. It's a good reason to marry a guy. He's fast. Yeah. I, Everyone knows. Bad joke. I stopped myself though. Oh, please don't. You can't just say that. Like you can edit it out. Please tell me. (laughs) I'm good now. Sorry. Beautiful. Uh, So the day of the race, everyone in the community showed up. The whole village was out in force and the village elders were in place to judge the race. Okay. Um, And okay. Almost everyone showed up. Okay. Still stating that she would never marry, Lone Bird sat in her parents' lodge and refused to take part in the whole rigmarole. Good for her. Right? Uh, but not one to take his daughter's feelings into account, Lone Bird's father continued with the race, which hey. here's how it went. Mm-hmm. So two men tied in the race. Holly, Fair I'm enough. here for this. So Lone Bird's father decided that they needed to have a jumping competition to see who could jump the highest. And bizarrely enough, they both jumped exactly the same height. Oakley doakley. And uh, we finally get some evidence in this story of Lone Bird's father living up to his kind reputation, where he asks Lone Bird to pick between the two men. Okay. Uh, she surprising literally only her father, thanks the two men for their time, but declines to marry either. Good for her. Um, and at this point, her parents do give up on getting her to marry anyone. All right. Uh, but they, you know, throughout the years, continue to worry about her being lonely. That's right. And the years pass, and Lone Bird cannot handle her parents' sadness. You know, she she has been sticking to her guns, but she doesn't want them to worry. She doesn't want them to live out the last of their days just anxious and concerned. Yeah, that's understandable. 
So one night she takes herself out to the shore of the nearby lake and she looks up at the moon and she says, if only I could love you, I would never be lonely. Oh. So the moon reached down and brought Lone Bird up in an embrace. Oh. Uh, when her parents noticed she was missing that night, they panicked. Understandable. So they called to the Great Spirit for news of what happened to their beloved daughter. And the Great Spirit directed them to look up at the moon where they saw Lone Bird's smiling eyes. And they knew she was at peace. And to this day, when the flowers bloom and the birds begin to build their nests, you can look up and see Lone Bird's eyes smiling down at the earth, wishing peace and contentment upon all that she sees. Oh, that's really sweet. So I know this is a little shorter than my segments normally are, but I just, that story just gives me so many warm fuzzies. And that's, I know, um... One of the the things that people do see in the moon is a woman, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Paradoilia? I can't pronounce that word, and I should have looked it up before we recorded this episode. Yeah. So, because I'm going to be talking about it, too. Beautiful. All right. Okay. Oh, gosh. Does that make... Is it my turn? It is your turn. Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. Um, let me navigate over to my notes okay so first and foremost i need you to know amanda that a not insignificant part of this research was me just sitting there chanting moon bunnies moon bunnies moon bunnies (laughs) so like that is absolutely a thing that i did amazing not gonna lie there (laughs) um So one of the reasons that you and I had discussed wanting to do this, uh, in addition to you finding that really beautiful myth that you just shared with us, was uh, we wanted to try and get this out around Lunar New Year. Correct. Because Lunar New Year, moon, there's got to be some stuff about the moon, right? Yeah? No. There's not. No? No. Um, But Xinyang Kuala, to anyone who is celebrating Lunar New Year right now. Uh, My apologies for my Mandarin. Again, my Chinese teacher tried really hard with me. So as I looked into these lunar myths that I knew about from taking Chinese class, uh, including the goddess Chang'et and the moon rabbits that do appear in Chinese mythology, that's actually more closely related to the autumn festival, which I have to celebrate once when I was taking Chinese class, um, we got to eat moon cakes and the sort that sort of thing. Uh, moon cakes are delicious. I did not enjoy them, but that is okay. It's not my favorite. Um, anyway, so I did still look a little bit into um, New Year mythology, just because I was like, you know what? It's my own fault for assuming. So <laughs> what can I... How how can I fix this? So I looked into a little bit of different New Year's traditions in China. And what's kind of cool is a lot of them do actually exist to counter demons in their folklore. Really? Yes. Uh, And the one that I'm going to specifically be talking about is uh, you might be familiar with the tradition of giving out Hongbao, which are those little red envelopes of money. Yes. Yes. 
So um, those are traditionally given to children or honestly, if you're a dependent, but you're like a teenager or a young adult, you're still going to be getting hongbao. And there are some grandparents that'll do it even when you have your own family. Yeah. So um, the reason for this is that it is actually supposed to chase away a demon called Sui. And Sui would touch children on the head at New Year's and cause them to uh, suffer from extremely high fevers. Uh, And even if the child survived, they would often be debilitated in some way, uh, usually mental illness. So according to the story, um, an official's family gave their child some coins in a gold, like in a red wrapper, so the kid would play with it all night for New Year's so that Sui wouldn't come touch his head while he was sleeping. Clever. The kid fell asleep and the... Uh, the coins shone brightly when Sui came in to harm the child and scared Sui away. So obviously the family was like, oh my gosh, we, we've discovered how to drive Sui away. And they told everybody they knew. Good. And, um, because of this, giving Hongbao is sometimes called... Hold on. I have the tones here. We're going to see how well I do. Ya Sui Qian, which is suppressing Sui money. I've never heard that. I love that. It was really cool. I like I knew about Hong Bao and I know it's like it's good luck, but I didn't right. know the story behind it. So that was really cool. So that is my brief foray into Lunar New Year. As I've got apology for assuming. I have my red coffee mug. That's wonderful. For the new year. Wonderful. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out of the way. Let's let's actually go into real honest to god lunar maths. Heck yeah. Uh, in particular, moon rabbits. So it's a bit of lunar pareidolia, I think I pronounced that rightly, uh, that some regions of the moon make a shape similar to a rabbit or a hare. Other shapes that people see can be the man in the moon or mm-hmm. the woman in the moon, like we just talked about with uh, uh, Lone Bird. Lone Bird, thank you. It was like something bird, it's gone. Lone bird. Um, that, that one bird chick. That one bird chick. Um, so stories about lunar rabbits are most common in East Asia uh, and also the Indian subcontinent. But there are also some very striking parallels to stories from India and an Aztec myth. Huh. I'm going to get into. And as I did my research, I stumbled across some writing by the noted writer and editor Terry Windling who you might be familiar with uh, if you've read any major fantasy in the last mm, 30 years. No, that's not me. (laughs) Um, But she had an article in her Into the Woods essay series that she posts on her blog, and I do have a link to this in my notes, um, about how hares and rabbits are frequently associated with the moon across cultures, which I honestly was not familiar with that. So um, with that, I, I feel like maybe there's less of a surprise that there is this symmetry between one of the Buddhist Jakarta stories and a myth about Quetzalcoatl. Which, I, if I'm correct, I almost included a brief summary of that one because the Aztec Empire did extend yes. up through the states. So, um, and I will be telling abbreviated versions of both stories here so in one of the jakata the story goes that there was a hare who was of course 
an incarnation of a bodhisattva, mm-hmm. a monkey, an otter, and a jackal had all decided they were going to perform acts of charity for poor beggars. The other okay. animals, yeah, the other animals found food to bring. So, uh, fish from the otter, mangoes from the monkey, a lizard, and some stolen treats from the jackal. I love that they had to point out that the jackal <laughs> stole shit <laughs> to give his charity. I love it. Made my day. But the hare was like, all I can find is grass. And that's, people don't eat grass. That's not going to do. I mean, not that kind of grass, no. No. And, you know, I have actually (laughs) eaten lawn grass, and it's not great. Don't do it. I was a very curious child. So, in an act of extreme charity, the hare decided that he would sacrifice himself as a meal. And Lord Saka, who was the king of the devas, heard about this and was like, mm, whoa, 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 whoa. This seems excessive. Perhaps, my friend, you are taking it too far. Perhaps. So he goes to the hare in the, the disguise of a beggar. And I guess this was to just test the hare's resolve. So the hare's like, this seems legit. And I love this, this. There's a little note about how he shakes himself to get rid of any bugs that might be on him. And Aww. then throws himself into the fire where he proceeds to not burn. He is, he is saved uh, because of his extreme piety by Lord Saka, who is so impressed with the hair selflessness that he actually puts an image of the hair into the moon so that all would be reminded of his piety. Huh. So, little, little bonkers cray, rabbit, hare. Hares and rabbits are very different animals. They just look alike. Ends up in the moon because he was so willing to sacrifice himself. And then across the world in Mexico, the Aztecs have a very remar- remarkably similar story. Um, and I'm going to quote the Wikipedia article on moon rabbits again. Linked in the notes. Moon rabbits. Moon bunnies, moon bunnies, moon bunnies. (laughs) That is not the quote. All right. So the god Quetzalcoatl, then living on Earth as a human, started on a journey. And after walking for a long time, became hungry and tired. With no food or water around, he thought he would die. Then a rabbit grazing nearby offered herself as food to save his life. Quetzalcoatl, moved by the rabbit's noble offering, elevated her to the moon, then lowered her back to Earth and told her, you may be just a rabbit, but everyone will remember you. There is your image in light for all people and for all times. Aww. Amazing. I have I have a lot of feelings about that. It's a very gentle story. So what I love about all three of the stories that we've covered, covered this episode, the images in the moon are all meant to show some sort of peacefulness. And we're going to move a little beyond that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there are actually other stories from Aztec mythology that also involve rabbits or hares chucking themselves into fire for various reasons, including one where uh, two gods were sacrificing themselves to give light to the sun and the moon. The god sacrificing himself to the sun is like, done, done. Sacrifices himself. That's why the light is so very bright. The god who is supposed to sacrifice himself to become the moon is like, hmm, don't think I like this. This is not simpatico. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know if he gets changed into a rabbit. I don't remember. But either he turns himself into a rabbit or he's changed into a rabbit for being so cowardly and thrown into the fire. Oof. And that's why, A, the moon is not as bright as the sun because it was not a willing sacrifice. And B, um, when you look at the shape that is the rabbit, it's kind of smoky looking. Mm-hmm. And that's the fire from being thrown in. Oh, okay. Um, also, random side note, apparently in one part of Journey to the West, which is clearly a part that I never got to because I feel like I would have remembered this, uh, Sun Wukong fights the rabbit in the moon because reasons. One day, I, I will read, I need to read it. <laughs> read that and not rely on the off-Broadway musical to teach me that myth. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mm, I'm going to have to look that one up. Okay, so in Chinese mythology, the rabbit in the moon is also often closely associated with the goddess Chang'e. Chang'e is the goddess of the moon. Uh, fun fact, she used to be known as Hang'e, but her name was changed because one of the characters used in her name became taboo, thanks to Emperor Wen of Han. Interesting. So she got a name change because Emperor Wen did something. Do we know what the character was? Um, I'm sure if I'd actually done more research than I did, I would have an answer for you. But I do not. That's legit. Uh, Anyway, traditionally, Chang'e is a beautiful woman who is married to an archer named Ho Yi. Uh, Ho Yi had been gifted with a potion, or possibly potions, depending on the version of the story, of, uh, of immortality for having shot down extra suns that were making the world too hot. So, you know, points to him. Points to him. Is he going to take point on our uh, global warming I think we, well, okay. Plan. It depends on which version of the story. Because the Hoi's characterization and China's characterization change from story to story. So, depending on the story, reasons do change. But China takes the potion of immortality and flees to the moon. Uh, sometimes that is to thwart her husband's foes who were targeting her. Uh, to, you know, get at him. Sometimes uh, she's stolen it and fears that he's becoming a tyrant. Or sometimes it's because she's waiting for him to be able to come and join her. It really just depends on the story. So if we're leaning into the tragedy and Chang'e and Ho Yi were separated by external forces, Ho Yi sets up an altar with all of his life's favorite things uh, and is joined by others who are moved by pity at his loss. Uh, if it is a version where she flees with the potions of immortality because how you got a villain arc, the people are grateful for her sacrifice and set up altars with offerings to Chang'e, providing a template for how people celebrate today. Um, there's obviously a lot more to celebrating the Mid-Autumn Festival than just this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it is also a popular time for matchmaking. I did know that. And somewhat amusingly, when the Apollo 11 mission was rocking towards the moon, we get an absolutely phenomenal exchange between Mission Control in Houston and astronaut Michael Collins. So Ronald Evans down in Mission Control says, Among the large headlines concerning Apollo this morning, this one is asking you that you watch for a lovely girl with a big rabbit. An ancient legend says the girl named Chango, because this was the 70s and or 60s, we weren't great with having switched over to Pinyin yet. Mm-hmm. 
has been living there for 4,000 years. It seems she was banished to the moon because she stole the pill of immortality from her husband. You might also look for her companion, a large Chinese rabbit, who is easy to spot since he's always standing on his hind feet in the shade of a cinnamon tree. The name of the rabbit is not reported. (laughs) Astronaut Michael Collins replies with, okay, we'll keep a close eye out for the bunny girl. Amazing. Yes. And that is everything that I have on uh, Lunar Myths. Amazing. It was really, really fun to research, uh, especially once I saw those parallels between the Aztec and the Indian mythology. The stories are near identical. They're so similar. It's always like, hold on, what? What? And I was really looking to find more on those parallel myths, and I thought I'd found a good resource, and it turns out it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I'm not sharing that particular one. Mm-hmm. But um, it's choice. I've got I've got some good links here, y'all. I had a lot of fun doing this research. Exciting. I, I hope that I made up for my error in assuming that Chinese New Year would have lunar mythology. <laughs> As we have said multiple times on this podcast, um, part of the reason that both of us are so interested in researching this folklore and and doing this podcast is because we know that we don't know shit correct about the rest of the world and learning about the folklore of a culture is one way that you can really start to understand how people approach the world And if you can understand how someone is approaching just their day-to-day life, it becomes easier to empathize with somebody. And, you know, I just want us all to get along. I know that I go into the horror and the creepiness, but ultimately, this is just my way. And, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Corinne, but I imagine you feel similarly. It's my way of making sure that I can empathize with as many people as possible. I I grew up with world myths. Uh, I was very fortunate in that. Uh, my, my mom was able to cater to my whims, and we had a, a well-stocked library that we would go to frequently. Um, but I have always wanted... I want to sit with people and say, tell me your story, and tell me it in the idioms that make most sense for you. That's how I've always wanted to relate with people. So... You know, not to be sappy or anything, but storytelling is what makes us human. And it's my favorite thing to share with other people. Same. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I promise you guys I will get back to the spooky shit. I have Uh, spooky shit. Amanda, I have actual spooky shit in one of our upcoming recording sessions. Really? So proud of me. I am so proud of you. I also have tragic shit, but mostly also spooky. I mean, Corinne, would it be one of your segments if there wasn't some tragic shit? I do love tragedy. You do. All right. Well, this has been fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, So sweet dreams and uh, caffeinated not-so-nightmares this time around. Good night, guys. Night. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. 
copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at talkgraveyard. About three years later, the storm is gone. They say she's out there on the air.